Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you again. Uh, as D Dale said, we are continuing our series in walking by faith from the book of Genesis. And we're looking at what it means and what it looks like to walk by faith, to walk as those who believe in God. And ever since uh, our first online service in the lockdown, we've been looking at the life of Abraham. Well, today we move away from Abraham, and we're focusing on his son, Isaac. Now, Isaac isn't given much space in the book of Genesis. There are 50 chapters in Genesis, and of those 50, about 40 of them are given to the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. But of those 40 chapters, with just four different characters, only one of those chapters is devoted to Isaac's life. And even when we uh, hear of Isaac in Genesis, often he's being overshadowed either by his father, that he's in the shadow of his father, or he's in the shadow of his sons, Jacob and Esau. Uh, one writer said that Isaac is not particularly interesting his life being unromantic and undistinguished. Another says Isaac is unheroic and he's far nearer than Abraham to the level of ordinary humanity. In other words, Isaac is far more like us than either his father or his son or his grandson. You can make a movie out of the life of Abraham and the life of Jacob. And there's already been a musical made out of Joseph's life. But Isaac, well, you'd be struggling for material there. Uh, he is far more ordinary than the other patriarchs. He, he's outshone by the other patriarchs. And yet he still plays an integral part in the story of how God fulfills his promises to his people. Uh, starting with Abraham and then that chain of blessing going down from Abraham to Isaac um, and then Jacob and, and, and so on to the nation of Israel. And what we see in this brief account of Isaac's life, just one chapter really devoted just to Isaac, uh, it is God at work in extraordinary ways. We're going to see four different scenes of Isaac's life. And each of those scenes, there is a problem. A problem that God overcomes and a problem that God even uses in order to fulfill the promises that he's given to Abraham's family. So let's start with the first problem. And the first problem in chapter 25 is Rebecca's childlessness. Rebecca's childlessness. Rebecca is Isaac's wife. And it's amazing how often this problem comes up in the life of the patriarchs. Abraham's wife, Sarai, is childless. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, is childless. And one of Jacob's wives, Rachel, is childless. And without divine intervention, none of them could have children. And that's ironic, given the fact that God's promises to this family depend on them having children. And yet it seems that, that the wives of the patriarchs can't have children, not naturally, anyway. And this is 
deliberate, I think. This is to show us that these promises that God was going to give to this family were not going to come about by human means, by human effort. They would come through God's sovereign power and grace. They wouldn't come through natural means, but supernatural means, not by ordinary means, but extraordinary means. And you know, there's at least three other major biblical characters, uh, all of whom uh, their mothers were barren. They were childless and they could only give birth through divine intervention. Uh, there's Samson, there's Samuel, and there's also John the Baptist. And each of these miracle births, as God steps in and intervenes um, to, to bring forth the, the, these men, it, it's getting us ready for the ultimate miracle birth, for the extra extraordinary birth of Jesus, the Son of God, who was born of a virgin. And all these births show us that God doesn't need human beings to accomplish his purposes. He accomplishes his purposes and his promises through his divine power and strength and by his grace. And yet what we also see, particularly in Isaac's story, but also in those other stories, is that God does use human beings to accomplish his purposes. So he doesn't need to use human beings, but he does use human beings. And we see that here in verse 21 of Genesis 25. Isaac prays for his wife. God answers his prayer and Rebecca is able to conceive. Now it's been suggested that this wasn't just a one-off prayer that Isaac made for his wife. It wasn't just that one day Isaac suddenly thought, oh I know it'd be a good idea if I prayed for my wife and then suddenly God answered his prayer. Now it's much more likely that Isaac was praying this prayer for his wife regularly maybe even daily. It's been suggested that, that Isaac persevered in prayer, that he was patient in prayer as he waited for God to answer that prayer and to give a child, that the child that he had promised because the blessing to Abraham of a, of a great nation, in fact, a multitude of nations had to come through children. So Isaac knows, well, I, I, I have to have a child in order for the promise given to my father to keep going. So Isaac is trusting in those promises that God gave to Abraham. He knows the importance of offspring. And God eventually overcomes this problem of childlessness through his extraordinary power and grace. Now, next week, we'll look at Rebecca's difficult pregnancy and the prophecy given about the, the two children, the twins in her womb. But now let's move from um, the first problem to the second one. And this problem is about famine, famine in the land. If one of the pillars of the promises God gave to Abraham was to do with people and children and family and, and nations, the other pillar was to do with a place. So people and a place, the, the two pillars of God's promises to Abraham. Uh, the place was the land where God's people would enjoy 
God's blessing. But just like with Abraham, we, we find that Isaac has to leave the land because of famine. And this is a theme that, that comes up a number of times in Genesis, just like the theme of childlessness, the theme of famine comes up again. So Isaac, as well as Abraham and Isaac's son, Jacob, all have to leave the land of Canaan, the promised land, because of famine. And it seems like God's promises in the book of Genesis are, are constantly under threat. They, it constantly looks like God's promises are about to fail. Whether it's because children aren't being born, whether it's because the land is failing in, in providing for God's people. It looks like God's promises are under threat. And so here is the land that's in focus and, and Isaac has to leave the land. But unlike his father, Isaac doesn't go to Egypt. He listens to what God says. God says, don't go to Egypt. Go to the place where I show you. Um, so he ends up in the land of, of Gerar, uh, where the Philistines live. And, and that's the place where Abraham also has been in Genesis 20, which we'll come on to in a moment. But notice that in the midst of famine, the Lord promises blessing on Isaac, verses three to five. Yes, the, the land might have failed Isaac at the moment, but God hasn't failed Isaac. The land might not be producing what it should produce, but God is still promising abundant blessing on Isaac and his family. And like his father, Isaac obeys God. He stays where he is. He doesn't go to Egypt. So what these first two problems show us is that it doesn't always look like God is fulfilling his promises. Rebecca's womb was empty when it should have been filled with a child. The land was empty when it should have been filled with produce. But when it doesn't look like God is fulfilling his promises, true faith holds on to those promises. True faith keeps trusting in the promises. Isaac trusts and he obeys. Now, God will still accomplish his, his purposes, even if we as human beings are faithless to him. And we'll see that in a moment. But if we want to participate in God's blessings, if we want to enjoy his blessings and his promises, then we do have to trust and obey like Isaac did. But we're going to turn now from Isaac's faith in God to his failure, from faithfulness to failure. This is the third problem, Isaac's failure in chapter 26. Now, if you've been with us as we've been walking through Genesis and particularly Abraham's life, then at this point in the story, you might be getting a sense of deja vu. And that's because what we read here in this section hasn't just happened once before, it's happened twice before. And both of those occasions involve Isaac's dad, Abraham. So like his father, um, Isaac has to deal with childlessness and with famine. 
but he also fails in the very same way and the very same place that Abraham does. So in this land of Gerar with the, the Philistines around him, Isaac is afraid. He's fearful that if these people find out that Rebecca is his wife, they will kill him to get her because she's attractive. And so what he does, he, he comes up with the same plan that his dad came up with. He says to his wife, look, pretend that you're my sister so that they won't kill me to get you. And what he's doing, he's putting Rebecca in a vulnerable position by pretend, asking her to pretend that he's his, she's his sister. And this carries on for a long time, verse 8. Isaac keeps up this, this deception day in, day out, week in, week out, for, for months, maybe even for years. We're not told exactly how long this long time was, but it wasn't just a, a few days. It wasn't just a momentary lapse. It's a persistent failure. And the longer that Isaac keeps it up, the more likely Rebecca is going to be compromised. And that's what often happens with sin. Sin is deceptive. We can pretend to ourselves that we're doing the right thing when actually we're not. We're doing the wrong thing. Or we can silence our conscience. And we can sort of put to the back of our mind the fact that we're doing something that is wrong. But amazingly, just like with Abraham, Isaac in the midst of his failure, experiences God's protection and God's provision. In spite of human faithlessness, God remains faithful. So not only is Rebecca protected, but Isaac is blessed. So after the famine of verse 1, we now have a super abundant harvest in verse 12. It's a miraculous provision a miraculous blessing from God Isaac plants crops in the land and in the same year he reaps a hundredfold uh, there's no chemical fertilizers being used no genetic modification it's just the the abundant and extraordinary blessing of an extraordinary God but the blessing comes at a cost so here's the fourth problem and it's Philistine hostility. It's the hostility of the people around Isaac. Because he's so successful, he becomes so wealthy, the Philistines envy him. You can imagine the kind of conversations that might have been had amongst these Philistine farmers. We've been working this land for years. And now this Johnny come lately comes along and he plants a few crops and look at the result. Look how successful he's been. Look how much money he's, he's got. We've never had this kind of success. And so they send him away. He's become too powerful for them. And when Isaac tries to reopen the wells that his father dug, but was, uh, were filled in by the Philistines, there's further opposition. There's further hostility and strife. But God is using this hostility 
God is at work in this situation. He's using it to take Isaac to the place where he wants him to be. He's using this hostility to take Isaac to a place where he has room to flourish. We see that in verse 22. And Isaac ends up in Bathsheba, the place where his father lived after Abraham passed the test that God gave him in Genesis 22. And it's here that the Lord appears to him again. And the message is a very comforting one, given the fact that Isaac has just experienced hostility from the locals. Verse 24, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid. For I'm with you, I'll bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. So in the midst of this hostility, when it must have felt like everybody else is against him, God speaks to Isaac and and God is saying to Isaac, everybody else might be against you, but I am for you. I am with you. So you don't need to be afraid. And even those who end up, who who were hostile to Isaac, end up making a peace treaty with him in verse 28. Because they recognise there's a higher power at work here. The Lord is blessing Isaac. And the account ends in verse 33 with Isaac's servants finding water. And that, again, is a sign of blessing from God. It's a sign that... This is a place where Isaac can settle and where he can flourish, just as God had promised. So we've seen four problems and four examples of how God has overcome and worked through these issues in his extraordinary power and his grace. He's worked through these problems to bring blessing to Isaac in fulfillment of the promises that he's given to him and, and to his father Abraham. Now, do you know what all these problems have in common? All of these problems, in some way, are a result of sin. They show us how sin affects people's lives in different ways. The first two problems come about because of the way that sin is corrupted God's good creation and the way that sin has affected our bodies and the natural world. It's caused a kind of outer brokenness and that's why there's infertility, that's why there's famine, that's why we're going through this coronavirus pandemic. The world we live in and the bodies that we live in are decaying because of sin. And this is a a general sin that we experience in the world, not necessarily a a personal sin. In fact, on a couple of occasions in the Gospels, Jesus is asked, is a particular person suffering because of their own sin? And Jesus says, no, that, that isn't always the case. But nevertheless, we do suffer because sin has come into the world and it's caused decays. It's caused this, this outer brokenness. And it all goes back to Genesis 3. It all goes back to Adam and Eve. 
on the fact that they disobeyed God's command and they doubted God's goodness. See, we need to read Genesis 25 and 26 in the context of Genesis 3. And we see then that the reason why these problems are coming up, the, re- the problems of, of infertility, the problems of, of famine. When Adam and Eve sinned, the result was cataclysmic. The, the result was a, a kind of a, an earthquake that, that has affected the world ever since. And from this earthquake, uh, there came tsunamis that we still experience today. We still experience today the, the effect of Adam and Eve's sin. The shockwaves are still being felt in our world. And they were being felt by Isaac in his situation. And that's how the Bible describes the effects of sin. In Romans 8, in the New Testament, we read there that the God subjected his very good creation to futility, to frustration and decay in response to Adam and Eve's sin. And that is the curse that we read about in Genesis 3. God does this because sin is serious. Its effects are serious. And he also does this because of who Adam is. Adam is uh, the first man. In that sense, he is every man. He's the representative of the human race. He is the head of the human race. And he's also the head of creation. So when Adam messes up, it affects the whole human race and it affects the whole of creation. The world is messed up and we are messed up because Adam messed up. And because we're part of Adam's family, just like Isaac was, we share in his genes. We share in his sin and its effects. So we we suffer the the consequences of sin, but we also sin ourselves. We also doubt God's goodness and we also disobey his commands. And this is what we see Isaac do. We see Isaac sin as he deceives and he lies and he puts his, his wife in a vulnerable position. And what we also find is that in a, a broken and messed up world, we experience that the general consequences of sin, but we also experience the sin of others against us. And, and that's what's happening as Isaac experiences this hostility from the Philistines. He, he's experiencing the sin of other people against him. So sin affects us uh, in all kinds of ways. And, and we have the, uh, the, the whole kind of experience here in Isaac's experience. If you live in a messed up world long enough, then you will suffer in some way. And you will experience um, the consequences of of sin in general um, and your own sin and also the sin of others against you. But the good news that we see here in Isaac's story is that God overcomes the problems caused by sin that sin cannot stop god from fulfilling his purposes and his promises in fact even in the midst 
of a broken world, even in the midst of human brokenness and human sin and disobedience, God is still at work. And what the events of Isaac's life are showing us is not only can God overcome sin, but, but Isaac himself is pointing us forward to the one that God would send into the world to ultimately overcome the problem of sin, to deal with it finally and forever. Isaac is pointing us forward to the true son, the, the true child of promise, the true offspring and seed of Abraham, to the Lord Jesus, to the one who, who lived in this broken, messed up world as a sinless human being, and yet he suffered the hostility of sinners. He suffered the consequences of our sin. He bore the curse that, that we should have borne. And he did that to obtain peace between us and God, a God that, that we had rejected, a God that we spurned. He did it so that all of God's promises could be fulfilled. And when we think about walking by faith, what that means is we walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We walk in the footsteps of, of the one who, who has already walked through this world, who's walked through the, the brokenness and the pain and the suffering, who's experienced the, the effects and the consequences of sin, but has overcome. We don't follow in the footsteps of Isaac or Abraham. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And like Jesus, we have to struggle against sin. It is a struggle to live in a broken world. But as we run that, that race, we persevere and we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We remember that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of God. So we consider him who endured opposition from sinners. So that we won't grow weary and lose heart. So stay close to the cross. Stay close to the place where all of God's promises and all of God's purposes are fulfilled. The cross is the place where God, God overcame the problems caused by sin. It is the place where, where God triumphed over sin. And this is the place where our blessings come from. Our blessings come to us from the wounds of our Saviour. Our life and our joy and our peace, it comes from his life, the life that he reclaimed from the grave on the third day. It's at the cross where ordinary people like you and I can experience the extraordinary love and grace and blessing of an extraordinary God. Well, let's pray together. Let's thank God for what he has done in our lives.
and let's trust him that he'll continue to be at work in us, in all the messiness, in all the problems caused by sin, to fulfill his promises to us. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me? Who caused his pain for me? Who him to death pursued? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? We praise you, Heavenly Father, for pouring out your blessings upon us in Christ, for fulfilling your promises to us in Christ. We thank you that through Christ you have overcome sin, you've overcome death, you've overcome all the problems caused by sin, that you triumphed at the cross. And although we still live in a fallen, sinful world, in, in fallen broken bodies and we every day experience the consequences of sin sin in general and, and and our own sin and the sin of others against us that we have that confidence that you have overcome and, and we walk lord jesus by faith in you we follow you um, knowing that uh, that one day we'll be brought out of this world with all the problems and all the difficulties and we'll be with you forever in a perfected world, in a new heaven, in a new earth. And we, we rejoice and we give thanks for, for all that you've done for us, undeserving though we are, ordinary uh, human beings though we are. We thank you for the love and grace that you have poured out for us, our extraordinary God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.